Welcome to another episode of the Vet Struggle. Um, we've traveled a little, I don't know, maybe like 90 miles or so from Waco. Um, I met this gentleman on uh, an irreverent warrior's hike. Uh, I know we speak of irreverent warriors quite often, but um, this is one of those things that we do, and we meet a lot of good people. So um, this is somebody I met, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago. And um, I thought he had a very interesting story, and I wanted to hear more from him. So I'll let you introduce yourself if you want to. We take no shit, we got strength and numbers in this bitch. Oh shit, we take no shit, we got strength and numbers in this bitch. Oh shit, we take no shit, we got strength and numbers in this bitch. Pull up to the club quick, got my engine roaring, playing thug shit. Hello, hello, my name is Matthew Gonzalez. I also go by Matt, Mateo, either or, doesn't really matter. Um, 29 years old, uh, live here in Dallas, Texas. Um, like you were saying, we met on IW, um, new to that going on two years with that organization attending and organizing now. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know where to begin. Um, you have any specific questions you want answered or you want like a general gist of my military background or. Why don't you just tell us where you're from? Kind of where you grew up at, okay. how, how life was like then. Let's see. Um, so I grew up in Brownwood, Texas. And for those of you who aren't from Texas, it's out West Texas, small town, uh, around 30,000 people, give or take, um, super small. Um, I wasn't really involved in sports. I stuck with student council, yearbook, I guess track. So I guess some sports cross country. Um was a very sheltered child, um, only child at that, too. Um, let's see. I joined the Marine Corps at 17. Um, pretty young. Yeah. I, my mom wasn't a biggest fan of that. Uh, she wouldn't sign my paperwork. So uh, I guess if we want to get into the nitty-gritty and deep details of life, I moved out of my house at 17 and lived with my recruiter for like a month or two um, until I turned 18. and. Then I signed my paperwork, and eventually my mom was like, hey, come back home. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I mean, other than that, I hadn't really got in trouble. I wasn't a bad child or anything like that. My mom really just wanted to keep me to herself, I guess you could say, just because yeah. I was the only child. So it was, it was difficult for her, I guess, because all she really had was, like, my mom or her mom and then myself. Um, and, yeah, so – did that. I finished school a little bit early. I was done in like March, so I didn't go to school the last two months. Um, I did like college credit classes. So I'd go like two hours a day and then I would leave. Worked at the movie theater. Um, and the duration of time, I was in the debt program, um, which even attending those in like those six months, I was like, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> in all honesty. Um, left to boot camp two weeks after graduating high school. Um, and even then when I got there, I was like, what did I get myself into? Um, and yeah, that was June of 2010. Um, you went to boot camp in 2010? Yeah. Oh, I got out in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, we're not that far apart in age. I don't, yeah, no, no, no. Like four years, maybe. Yeah. Um, did that. Um, and I don't know, I, at the time of joining, 
this wonderful branch. Um, I did it with a sense of needing direction. Um, and I wasn't really too sure how long I wanted to stick around in this, in all honesty. Um, even at boot camp and MCT and my MOS school and everything, the whole time I literally was like, is this reality? Is this like what I'm going to be doing with the rest of my life? And yeah, I kind of went with the flow of things and I still don't think that I had direction. I don't think that the Marine Corps really gives you that direction. I think it's very systematic and it's just like, go, 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 go people, people, people. And I think it just depends on your leadership. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I've had good leaders. I've also had bad leaders. Yeah, a lot. Seen, I've definitely I've had, had terrible leaders. Yeah, more bad leaders than good leaders. Um, yeah. But along that journey, I guess I've picked up the good qualities, kept the good qualities, and left the bad ones. Um, mm. And no way am I the best leader out there either. Um, but I do try my best. Uh, and yeah, I've done going on eleven years next month. Still in service. Eight years honorably in the Marine Corps, now in the Navy. So it's been an interesting transition seeing branches on two sides of the fence. And What's that like? What's it like transitioning into another branch from the Marine Corps? Um, Just in your opinion, I guess. In my opinion, I guess if you're not good with adjustment or adapting, that it's hard. Um, just because you're used to one thing, you're used to like-minded individuals, you're used to people thinking the same, interacting the same, um, and it is two entirely different spectrums. Like the Marine Corps is obviously a lot more laid back and personal, I guess, versus like the Navy. I feel, and a lot of other branches that I've interacted with, it's very on the reserve side, should I say? Um, people are in it for their own reasons. It's not really the same camaraderie. It's like you're just there for whatever reasons you're there for. Um, I'm obviously in it. I get the perks of both worlds. I get to give my little piece back to the country. Um, and, yeah, I switched in March of 2018. I got out of the Marine Corps January of 2018 um, while finishing my undergrad. Um, I initially had planned to re-enlist in the Marine Corps in December of 2017. Um, my grandma died or passed away um, in the time frame of my re-enlistment. Yeah. And my grandma raised me, so that was a pretty mm -hmm. shitty time in my life. Um, so I didn't, and obviously around Christmas time, I and I staff that I was working with wasn't really around. You have all the... 96s with Christmas, New Year's, and everything else. And I had like 45 days to get all that paperwork done. Um, and I just didn't get to do it. Uh, I was kind of in limbo for like two months with no military service whatsoever. That's one way to skate, I guess. Yeah. And then after I pulled myself out of depression, um, I was like, okay, well, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? How are you going to afford health insurance? How are you going to... XYZ, because again, I was still in school at the time. Um, initially, I tried to go into the Air Force. They told me no for my tattoos. Um, but I, even though I don't have any visible ones, uh, 
They're pretty strict about Marines coming into their branch. Yeah, and they told me my degree was irrelevant. So I have that in operations management, so supply chain logistics. Um, yeah, I, want, I don't understand how that would be irrelevant, though. I mean, it's pretty important. At the time, I suppose, quotas, whatever have yeah, you. So they also told me it didn't matter what uh, your MOS was whenever I tried going in, that um, if you wanted to go enlisted, you had to be special forces. So I was like, I'm, I'm good. I don't think... I don't think I'm that hardcore for all of that. I mean, I think it probably would have been kind of fun, but just wasn't my cup of tea at the time, I guess. I don't know. So, Brownwood, Texas, man, that's um, by over there by Heiko, going mm. towards Heiko. It's like in between Abilene and Fort Worth, like southeast of Abilene. I think it's where we, uh, so if you go to El Paso from here, I want to say El Paso. Um, you go to like 36 from Waco. You go all the way up to Brownwood, and then you go up to, to Abilene, and then you get on. So I'm, I've been through it. Yeah, uh, it's small. It's a nice little area, though. It's not too bad. I mean, it's not as big as this city, but, but I mean, there's not. We have like four huge cities in Texas. Yeah, Dallas just became... Number four, I yeah. think, in like growth in 2020 to now. So, Fort Worth's getting pretty big. Yeah. Uh, Houston's the fourth largest city in the U.S. So, I mean, it is what it is, but Houston's huge. I don't, so, en- I don't enjoy my time in Houston. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it just depends where you go, I guess. Uh, what was it? What's their. That stadium, their baseball stadium, Minute Maid Park, mm. Minute Maid Field. Where the Astros play. Uh, maybe it's not Minute Maid. Yeah, wherever the Astros play. That's always that. It's a rough area. Yeah. There was, um, I think I was going to ask you, what, what what was your MOS when you were in? 3521, so Motor T. Yeah. Um, That's it, a driver, right? Operator? No, it's like all the, it's the mechanic side of things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Man. So worked on Humvee, seven tons, um, LVRs, and that's pretty much it. On the reserve side of things, it's you don't really get to experience everything that you would on the active component side of things. Um, you do yeah. get to live the best of both worlds. You get to experience the camaraderie and everything else that one side of the fence sees, but you also get to live your life on the other side of that fence. Yeah. So everyone can, I guess, see what side of the fence they choose to see in water, I guess. Um, I mean, you still get, ooh, you still get to drive them, so that's kind of mm-hmm. cool, I guess. Yeah. The LVRs are the dragons, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked with a couple of those. They're pretty cool, man. I, uh, the way they articulate just blew my mind because they're not like the ones in the army the ones in the army they're just like they're pretty rigid but that articulation in the lvrs it makes it hard to drive especially to back them up man yeah it's been a while too like we only really got to touch things when we would do like our annual training at 29 palms and stuff like that other than that um didn't really do things within my mos so 
what do you normally do? Uh, I mean, it really it was very situational. So if we would go to like Camp Pendleton, it would, and we would work with like active duty components that really, whatever they needed done, we would help out. So, and then obviously you always have that, not necessarily pissing contest, but, oh, you're not important because you're not active duty. <laughs> oh, you're just a reservist or whatever have you. But yeah. do you, uh, you have any combat experience? Uh, no. Um, yeah. I mean, I joined at a time of war, but it was very, at the time, they, like, needed volunteers when I first came. Like, when I first, like, attached to my unit, and then after that, it was just kind of quiet. But it was yeah. also, at that time, with, like, don't ask, don't tell, and all of that crazy stuff, and a transition of presidents, and everything else, so. Yeah. That's, um... You know, I was going to say something. I don't remember. Say. Um, oh, yeah. You know, sometimes if you go to South Korea, whatever heightened tensions are with them, they'll give you, like, it's, it's not, it's some kind of ribbon, but it's because they're under some kind of shit, but it's basically like a, like they're combat. But, you know, that's one way some people get around that little, <coughs> that little loophole. That's insane, man. Where were you stationed at? Uh, so the last place I was with, I was with Dias Air Force Base, so 4th Maintenance Battalion um, out there. At Pendleton? Uh, at Dias Air Force Base with the... Is that in Cali? Uh, it's the Marines at the Air Force Base in Abilene. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I've been one... I've, you know, I always try to remember what the name of that base is, and it's... Everybody knows it, and then as soon as you ask, everyone forgets it. So yeah. that's how it usually goes, I guess. But it's like a giant intel base. They yeah, have, like, some huge. crazy stuff going on there. Yeah, normally. So pretty cool. Well, I mean, uh, I guess to transition from that, uh, you were just talking about uh, part of the repeal of the don't ask, don't tell policy. And uh, I guess that's kind of what brings us here. Uh, you have a story you want to tell, man? You just- yeah, sure. Tell us about your experience and what it's like being a, uh, well, you know what, let's uh, kind of, I guess let's backtrack a little bit. So we did talk about your, um, you know, whenever you were growing up. So let's talk about what that looks like from there and then transition into the Marine Corps and then just go from there. But yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um. So I did join the Marine Corps during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, Now I am an openly gay male. Uh, At the time, I was not. I was very closeted. I lived my West Texas lifestyle. Uh, So I did have a girlfriend, just like most people did during that time. And, I mean, it was scary. I mean, I feel like that's probably why I walked around on eggshells with not knowing what I had got myself into, you know? And I kept that a secret for quite some time. I would always talk in regards to people that I was seeing or dating as they or them. I would use pronouns. Um, I never said he or she. I kept things very DL. Um, This was like MySpace days. Facebook was barely starting. We didn't have Instagram, Twitter like we do now. 
And yeah, let's see. Um, when did you first realize that you were gay? Uh, I knew since I was like 14 or 15, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, and I think when I came home from boot camp, I had dinner with like my, one of my cousins. I call her my sister, sister cousin. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't live like this. Like I was finally doing something with my life and I was tired of hiding. I didn't have to rely on my mom or my grandma or my family for financial support or anything like that. And I remember like texting all of them saying like, hey, I'm going to tell my mom, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I took her outside and I told my mom, I was like, hey, um, I'm gay. She was like, she sat there quietly for a little bit. And she was like, what about so-and-so? What about the girl at the time that I had or whatever have you? And I had taken another girl to like events and balls and whatever have you. Um, and I was like, well, I was like, that's just a facade. It's, it is what it is. This is who I am. This is who I'm choosing to be. I was like, we don't have to announce it to the entire world. I was like, it can our thing but i need it i need you to know like who i am as a person yeah and let's see a few years later um like a year or two i guess uh don't ask don't tell got repealed um but i remember the first sergeant at the time that i had specifically speaking um was like yeah this may be repealed but this is still the marine corps like it is what it is you know um so I was still very scared. I still lived in West Texas. I was still in the same scenarios. So it's not like just because I told my mom that the rest of the world was going to come with open arms welcoming. Were you uh, in the reserves? Hmm? Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was going to school at the time too. And yeah, I mean, my mom accepted it, but didn't talk about it. And it wasn't really until like 2015 when I had moved to Fort Worth after finishing school in San Angelo um, and coming to the city. And I was living with my aunt at the time and I kind of had like my first serious boyfriend and he was a flight attendant. And so I was traveling the world with some guy and posting pictures on Facebook like, oh, I'm in Spain. Oh, How romantic. Yeah. And my aunt didn't really say anything, and I just kind of go off on the weekends and be like, oh, I'm staying with so-and-so, like, well, we're doing whatever. And it wasn't really until, like, after that breakup, and keep in mind, I'm still in the reserve, so I'm still going to drill once a month and still referring to my significant other as they, them, and whatever have you. I had a few people blocked from seeing my social media. They could see the general gist, and they knew I had a profile, but they couldn't see what I was posting. Yeah. And it was probably 2015 when that first serious relationship had kind of drizzled out and I attended like my first pride. And at that point I was like, you know what? Like I deserve to be happy. I deserve to be who I want to be. I deserve anything and everything that everyone else gets in this life. Right. And I remember texting a few of like my buddies and I was just saying, like, hey, I love you. Like, no matter what, till the end of the day, like, I would still take a bullet for you, like, now versus whatever. You know, just mumbling and jumbling. You know, I was scared. And I had attended that pride, and I was 
in full force, like ready to come out to the world. Not that I really like owed the world anything, but I owed it to myself to be transparent with everyone that I've encountered on life. And I wanted them to love me for me as much as I loved them for them. Well, I mean, it's no way to, I don't really think it's a way to live life. If you're just gonna, you know, not let the world know who you are. Um, I mean, I've got, oh, I don't know, probably like three or four guys and girls that I was with in the Marine Corps. And, you know, they're gay now. Well, I mean, I'm sure they were gay, but, you know, they've, they came out probably, probably close to a decade ago. But I would have never known. And, like, that's one reason why I kind of wanted to come talk to you because, uh, well, first of all, they're, they don't live in Texas, so it's not like I can really just go have a conversation with them like this. But, um, you know, like it's like for me, if some, if they would have came to me and told me like, I would have never had a problem with it. Um, like for me, I'm just like, you know, be you just be happy and, and don't fuck me over. Or I'll be the shit out of you. You know, like that's my mentality. Yeah. Sometimes I try to be the shit out of people and then they be the shit out of me and it's not a good, it's not a good transaction, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's got to suck to not be able to to be you and and be who you just I don't I just feel like that would be so draining to go every day and say, you know, I have this I, I behind closed doors I'm all of this and then as soon as I get out to the public I'm like, oh, I can't tell anybody cuz somebody might look at me weird. Yeah. And I mean it's scarier in uniform. You know what I mean? Like we yeah. expect our brothers and sisters to the left and to the right of us to always have our back no matter what, like in and out of uniform. And that's not always the case. You know what I mean? It's very situational. Um, and after that breakup and my decision to post whatever I posted at the time, like whatever, I don't let my sexual orientation define me as a person. And I never have. Um, well, I mean, it's just been a part of you yeah. throughout all this time. Yeah. It just, it's you. Like, <clears throat> Plain and simple, it's you. Yeah. And I remember attending the ball in 2015, and this was in San Angelo, Texas, so still very small town. People are set in their ways and view yeah. things the way that they view things. And obviously, like, some of my friends still at the time uh, viewed homosexuality as an entity of wrong or disgust or whatever have you so obviously i wasn't ready to full-fledged like let them know everything about my life just because i was scared to lose them as friends as brothers and sisters in uniform you know how do you go about testing the waters with them to see if you know how receptive they're gonna be of it at the time, it was very situational. I knew the people that I could confide in. I knew the ones that showed their vulnerability with their lives and their personal things they had going on. And so I would share small details, not huge things um, and whatnot. And then again, after I attended my pride, I was like, you know what? It's going to be fine. Like, whatever. And... And I had ended things with my significant other. I was at the ball and I was like, you know what? Like, 
I'm going to do it. Like if they don't care about me, they don't care about me. Like it's fine. Like I didn't, I don't need that in my life anymore, you know? And I remember one specific individual, I won't call out any names or anything. Um, but I was, ter- I literally was terrified to tell him the most because of our bond that we did have. I didn't want to lose that. And I know that he was from San Angelo and viewed that situation a certain way. And his girlfriend at the time, now wife, um, she knew because her and I talked. Obviously, we were very close. And I remember just like losing my shit after a few drinks. And, you know, every breakup has its own situation. And obviously, alcohol involved, like, will let anyone's inhibitions down. And does it to all of us. Yeah. And I like turned to the individual and I was like, I have to tell you something. And like, his girlfriend at the time was like rubbing my back and I'm shaking and I'm just like, look, like I love you and I don't want this to change like our relationship or our dynamic, but I'm gay, like whatever. And I'm just like, I break down, start bawling. And this individual is a few inches shorter than me. So I'm like on his shoulders, like crying. And he's just like holding me. And I, again, I'm bawling my eyes out. And he's like, brother, like, I love you no matter what, like you're st- like your blood, like whatever. And that reassurance, that safety net, that home that I felt with like the one last individual that I had it like completely come clean with uh, within my unit that I did share that personal relationship with inside and outside of the unit, um, that it was going to be fine. I was like, you know what? Like, it's okay. And I didn't, I wouldn't go around galloping, announcing it after that, but if People asked, I wasn't afraid to say, yeah, I am, you know? And yeah, after that, it was very liberating. And I started living life and shining shinier than I did before. And I wasn't afraid to embrace new relationships or post about it or share about it or even joke around about it with my buddies or girlfriends or whatever have you, you know? So yeah, like uh, I come from a pretty small Texas town too. So uh, I just remember like a lot of the older generations is like every time they depicted a uh, in a story or you know like I think that that generation they're they're pretty outdated when it comes to a lot of nuances and what life could you know more or less be like. But they were always depicting like a flamboyantly gay person. And it was like, dude, I know so many people that aren't like that. I mean, there's guys out there that, and well, and chicks too, but I mean, you would never, never know if you didn't. Uh, I mean, unless they told you, you wouldn't know. So, like, this whole depiction of it's just kind of, I don't know. They had thoughts on a lot of other things that I didn't always agree with, which is one reason why. I don't always go back to the smaller towns, but um, yeah, that's got to be. I don't mean to pause. It's just uh, I'm just trying to gather what I want to say here. I I don't know. I think I'm more of an empath, so it's I'm trying to process the feelings that you've you've kind of uh, laid out here. That's kind of the harshness of it, the the struggle of day in and day out of wanting to 
even just tell some of your closest people. Like, I mean, I had friends I was in the Marine Corps with that um, I mean, we literally spend every single day with. So I can't imagine if I was to, if I had a secret like that for so long and I had held on to it, I, how I would have to come out to them to tell them, like, you know, uh, like, like, dude, I'm the same person that I've been telling you all the time. I just find somebody, uh, I find a different sex more appealing than, than what you do. But that's, man, that's, I guess now that I'm actually, like, talking to you about it and uh, trying to process, like, all of those thoughts, everything that would come across as, you know, what I would have to tell somebody or how I have to live, like, that's got to be so rough, man. Yeah. It's scary for a bit. Yeah, but, I mean, like, you seem so happy now. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, thankfully, yeah. like... And your boyfriend's and I, amazing. Yeah, I got lucky. Yeah. Um, but I love his personality. It, like, makes me want to go out and do shit, you know, like, <laughs> motivates me. And that smile. Yeah. I can't beat it, dude. Did you, uh, did you ever, ever, like, uh, meet anybody else in the Marine Corps that was gay? Like, that you know, maybe you guys kind of had, like, similar stories? Hey. I do have a controversial story, if you'd like that. Yeah, um, I love controversial stuff. I was in Norway Spilled for an exercise and, yeah. in Norway. Oh, yeah. And wow. I was over there working with the Norwegian Army. And obviously this... I met another person in the same branch, um, a little bit older, that uh, was also gay. And so we rendezvoused in Norway while we were there together, obviously behind closed doors. And yeah, when we came back to the States, I went up to DC a few times and we hung out. We're still Facebook friends and yeah, I met a couple of fraternization. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, I was, yeah, I mean, I was 18. It's whatever. And yeah, I mean, throughout my duration, I've, Met a lot of other individuals. Some just goes to show you we're all stupid when we're young. Yep, 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 yep. I've met a lot of other individuals in different branches, different ages, um, especially the ones in like West Texas. I primarily was around like Air Force bases. Yeah. So I've met a lot of Air Force people. Um, and I mean, very similar stories, like in the closet and not really living their best lives or the potential lives that they could live to the fullest, you know? Yeah. Uh, a lot of them I still keep in contact with. And I mean, same scenario now they're happy, they're living and it's not as frowned upon. I feel like as it used to be. And yeah, I don't think it is. <clears throat> yeah. I remember there were, as I was getting, I think it was like fall of 17. I had a little 18 year old marine come to the unit and it was very apparent his situation and i remember him pulling me aside because he had gone on an at with one of my close buddies and he was like oh yeah you're friends with gonzo right and i was like and that individual was like yeah um he was like oh he's gay right and i mean at the time again i wasn't announcing it but if people asked i wasn't afraid to say it yeah and they were like yeah and he was like well i, I want to talk to him like i i need advice or whatever and 
again, fall of 2017, that individual came up to me and he was like, Hey, like, I don't know how to tell my family. I don't know how to tell the unit. And I'm like, look, you don't have to tell anyone anything that unless you're ready, like do it on your own terms, do it when you're comfortable, do it when you're happy. But I can assert, I can assure you that these people here don't care. Like a hundred percent. Like you'll have people that may look the other way or whatever have you, but that's their own personal opinion. And yeah, you just live your best life. And, and they um, talk shit, they get hit. Yeah. And he That's a motto to yeah, live by. Baby. I think like the next weekend, like he had like done a post and drag and like announced it to the world. And I was like, I wish I had your confidence at 18. Like yeah. it was a, like in that seven year spectrum of like difference, like of his coming out story versus like mine and just seeing like how the times have adapted and changed and I think now there's like articles for bashing gay people or whatever. Were you the first openly gay person in your unit? Yeah. And look at you go, yeah. dude. Breaking so, barriers for people and shit. Yeah. That's oh. the shit I like to see, man. It's good shit, man. It's so crazy how, you know, sometimes just living life, like you end up doing those things that, you know, you're just trying to live your best life, but it, it inspires somebody else's. Um, you know, that's like that, that kid got lucky, you know, like he got lucky that somebody had already set that, that footprint ahead. So, you know, people kind of just got used to it. Like, I don't know, man. Well, I do have a, a, a lot of questions, but, um, one of them I was kind of interested in just like, you know, we fucking shoot the shit all the time. We make these crazy ass jokes. Like. How, do, how does that work with you? Uh, it takes a lot to offend me. It really does. Like, I think growing up where I grew up and then going to boot camp and having the drill instructors talk to you the way they talk to you <laughs> um, and building you down to basically nothing, only to build you up for greater things. I think that helped toughen my skin. I think living in the shadows and all of that for so long, like, helped build my confidence up to where it's like, it's just a joke. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. just words, words and actions are two different things. So it'd be one thing if you were talking shit or whatever, messing yeah. around versus like getting aggressive with it and being like, Oh, you're a faggot and whatever. I'm yeah, going like to kick your ass. You're and, being um, malicious. With yeah. It. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I call my heterosexual friends faggots. Like, I shoot the shit just back with them too, you know? So yeah. it's not like the end of the world. Man, it's got to suck whenever you play the, uh, you know, would you for a million dollars game? Like, you're just. I'm like, yeah, give me money. Like, yeah. If it's the right guy, I'll do it right now. Bring him over here. Fuck. So. Yeah, man, that's. Um, and now, you know, now I always try to go back, uh, you know, like. What, you know, who might have been gay while I was in, you know, and if I ever, because I don't ever think that I, like, I don't feel like I'm the kind of person that is malicious towards anybody. I feel like, you know, I try to just be me and I like everybody until you piss me off. And then when you piss me off, I just don't like you. It doesn't matter whatever race, color, sex, gender, all, you know, it's just on how shitty of a person you are it depends on how much I'm not going to like you. Yeah. 
Like that's what it all comes down to. So, uh, you know, I would hope that like this one chick, she just, she just is the one that sticks out in my mind the most. She's been happily married for a few years now and she just looks so much happier since she's whenever I don't, I don't know how long ago she came out. I had to be close to like a decade ago, but yeah, man, like I would have never known. Like, that's just so, I don't mean to keep saying like, I'm just trying not to say fuck all the time, you know. It's one of those habits I got into in the Marine Corps. And then whenever I got to Baylor, I was just like, oh, I can't say this. So then like came in and they're like, don't say like or um or and or uh. And I was like, well, you're going to get one of those. So I don't know what to tell you because uh, my thoughts don't always come out like I planned on them to. Yeah. I got way off topic. So far off topic. But, yeah. Um, so is there like a community? Oh, I don't know if it would be in the military or if like if you guys have something like specifically for military, like gay military or anybody that's in the LGBTQ plus community that's a veteran or active duty that meet up aside from like pride. I've never personally come across that. And even within like IW and other organizations that I'm involved with, it's very rare that I come across other openly gay veterans um, or even current service members. I mean, I only know of one other one that I can think of in IW. Yeah. And I, I don't think I like, shine a light on myself whatsoever. Um, but again, I also don't hide who I am anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, I brought Bryce to the last hike and he yeah. volunteered and helped everything. Um, but yeah, even within all the org- other organizations that I'm involved with, like Black Tie and Legacy and everything, I have never come across like a veteran-based organization specifically for that community. That'd be pretty cool to start. Yeah, we were, I was discussing it with like two of my other board members. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's got to be a a decent community in the larger areas, I would assume. I mean, I think you guys are probably going to come together more off of, you know, that community versus the veteran community aspect of it. But I bet you there would be like a a pretty good outturn from, or, or, you know, uh, a decent, amount of people to show up for just to have that kind of camaraderie. Cause I, I can't imagine that a lot of them would want to go to the VFW. I, I don't, I like some of the VFWs, but I mean, like the one from back home, like nothing against you, but it's just a bunch of old hillbillies out there, man. And like even the shit they say in there, I'm just like, dude, I don't want to fucking be around any of this. Like get the fuck out of here. And they're just full of fucking piss and vinegar and all that other shit. Vodka. Yeah, sometimes. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's, um, I can't, I can't imagine what that community, well, I mean, why, of course, I can't really imagine any of this, and that's one reason why, you know, we're talking, but uh, I just keep trying to, like, wrap my head around. Because, you know, on the whole way up here, I was trying to think about, like, what we were going to talk about and how I would 
phrase whatever I was going to phrase and how we would transition to all these different things because, you know, it's like a two-hour drive, hour and a half, depending on how fast you're going. So I had plenty of time to think about it. But now that I'm, like, actually here and, like, I'm hearing your stories, it's it's hard to put yourself in that position if you, like, actually put yourself in that position. Like, I always try to not play devil's advocate, but try to put myself in both. Well, I guess it would be devil's advocate, but put myself in both um, positions on either side of any kind of argument. And that's, uh, you really, I guess you opened my eyes up to a lot more than what I was thinking anyway. Cause you know, coming like the way I saw it beforehand, like I had no problem with it. So, you know, I was just like, if anybody come out, well, like, yeah, whatever. But now that, you know, hearing how many people probably don't like, especially a reserve unit and being in like a smaller town, like that's gotta be so much more challenging than I'd ever thought. Uh, <clears throat> so how do you, how do you feel now? Like how, how's your life now? Mm, liberated. I mean, I don't, again, I don't let my sexual orientation define who I am. I'm a good person. I'm educated. I honorably serve this country. I sit on one of the largest LGBTQ plus boards in the nation uh, to give back. I got involved with IW, and I'm now one of the DFW coordinators to give back to that yeah. community. Hey, you guys put on a great hike, man. Yeah. That, that was one of the best hikes I've been on so far. I, I feel very privileged to be able to give back. I feel very privileged at my age to have experienced the things that I have experienced, the hardships, the good parts. Um, and ultimately all of that cultivating me to who I am today, um, from the confidence to the sad parts, the depression that I've endured, um, and everything else. So, and just being able to live and shed that light on, again, several different communities from my veteran community to my gay communities and everything else. And, um, I have a very supportive partner to that's by my side that Yeah, I do fucking love the yeah, shit out of you, man. Pushes and supports and understands that I do wear many hats and I'm happy doing all of it and that we don't always get to do the things that we want to do, but at the end of the day, all the things that I am involved in, like if I wasn't, who would be? Would they yeah. put forth the same effort to leave that long lasting impact to that veteran that needed that IW hike or yeah. any other scenario in between that mix. It makes sense. So I guess, uh, as you were saying something, I guess it kind of dawned on me, um, because you said you don't let your sexuality define who you are. I think that's why I have such a harder time. Like, because I think as like a lot of straight people, they don't define, they don't, they don't go around saying, yeah, I'm straight. You know, like it's no. not, you're not going to rub that in everybody's face. So I guess that, you know, that's kind of where it, it's so hard. Like, I think, I, for, I think the media like really fucks up a lot of shit because like they try to have one stereotype in there and that's what 
a lot of people who are ignorant. I'm not saying they're stupid. I'm just saying they're ignorant because they don't know. And they're, they're just like, this is how it is. This is why I hate that whole community. It's like, like when's the last time you sat down and actually had a conversation with them? When's the last time you, you were like, hey, tell me about yourself. Like, let's be friends, you know? And, like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm just weird. Like, I think I'm super weird, but it's kind of fun sometimes. Like, uh, so, I mean, I just talk to everybody, you know? And, like, that's what, like, I don't, we haven't had too many conversations before this. Uh, this is something that we kind of set up while one of our friends was hammered drunk at the bar. Good times. Uh, yeah. And we were trying to calm her down. She knows who she is if she's listening. She's such an alcoholic. I'm kidding. I still love you. Um, but no, man, you know, it's, uh, so there's, um, my little cousin, I don't know how I'm going to say this. Well, so there's a, um, somebody I know who's about to join a branch of the military and, um, he's gay. Like you can tell, like, um, plus he's already told like all my, my, everybody that is in this little community. And, uh, like, I hope he gets to, I hope he gets to see this before he leaves because like I, I think this could be pretty inspirational to a lot of people, especially at 17 or 16, you know, who are thinking about like, man, I really want to serve my country, but you know, I have this and I don't know how receptive people are. And I think as generations go on, people are going to become much more receptive of it. I think you're still going to have people just like with race there. You're, you're going to have races that exist out there always. Um, like my time in Japan, they hated the Chinese and the Chinese hated the Japanese. Like, but if you ask most Americans, they don't really know that that feud exists. But I think it's just one of those things where it takes one person to do one wrong thing to somebody and it's so atrocious to them. Maybe they kill their family or something and they just link on to that one aspect of whatever they are and that's why they hate them and i think that's forever you're always going to have those those problems i hope that it doesn't but just being realistic like i just think that 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 is how it's going to be but i think even from i don't know early 2000s i've noticed a big difference in how receptive people are of the lgbtq community um and I think it's great. Like, why, you know, why would, why would you, I don't understand why I've never really understood racism anyway, or excuse me, uh, or any kind of like hatred off of something that you can just, that you're just looking to, to attack somebody on. So it makes me happier, but at the same time, like I know there's people out there and I'm sure there's people who are going to watch this and they're going to be like, well, you know, they're going to just fill the comments full of a bunch of hateful ass shit. And, you know, go for it if that's what you're going to do. But like, if I think if they, they're really coming down to that, you know, like maybe you should look into yourself just for a second and ask, what if it was me? What if everybody around you were gay and you were the only straight person? Like, that's how I try to put myself into these things or, or just, you know, 
whatever whatever it was. I just think that's easier for some people to wrap their heads around just because they already know, you know, let's say they're straight, they can't wrap their head around being gay. So being having that scenario just doesn't really function with them. But if they were to have if they were the only straight person in a huge crowd of of gay people, then what's that like to them? And I don't think that, you know, they look at it like that. Just like I don't think a lot of like I I don't I don't this isn't gonna go like too far off onto the whole race thing or anything. But like I look at both sides of what's happening on in America right now. And there's a lot of a lot of racial bullshit that's fucking going on. I honestly don't think that um I think most people get along much more than the media puts out. Mm-hmm. But the media always tries to divide people anyway. But the ones who don't like that other race, it's like they just, they're not putting their self in that. They're not looking at both sides of the argument. That's why I've always, like, tried to be that person, though. I'll you know, try to look at both sides of the argument. So it's just, I, I don't know, you can hear so many stories and you, you see so many things and you just don't really put yourself in that scenario all the time. So I think this is, you know, I really hope like this whole conversation is able to help somebody eventually hopefully, somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I think it it really could, especially I don't know if I had to put an advertisement campaign on it or whatever, but I'll do whatever it takes to like I, everyone that I've done so far. I really want to put like I, well, I'm just I guess I'm prideful of you know the ones that I've done so far. Like these are people that I like and you know I know so. Um, I want to get their stuff out there, but at the same time, like stories like yours, man, like that's, it's not every day that somebody just, even if they don't care about uh, being closeted or not, it's not like they're going to come out and, you know, just tell their story constantly or, you know, tell the trials and tribulations of it. But there's a whole nother generation coming up that isn't what the media is putting out as. and they're struggling too. So, and it's, you know, I don't know why they would think somebody who's like not straight or, or who's gay would not want to serve their country. Like, I just doesn't make sense to me, but like, there's a point I'm trying to get at. My brain just kicked off for a second. I'll think of it. Um, I'll have to edit this out. Man, where was I going with that? I just started rambling. Um, this is the first time I've ever told this story. I don't, I've never, anytime anybody's asked about it, I, I mean, I've just rolled with the punches. It is me who I am now. I've never gone back and retraced the stepping stones that have built the foundation of the person that I am today. Yeah. What do you think about? I mean, how how do you feel like those stepping stones have built you into who you are? I'm grateful. I'm I'm truly grateful. I'm grateful for everything happening when and how it did. Uh was it the way I wanted things to go? No. Um but I'm I'm grateful. I mean, I those same people that I was scared to tell are still some of my best friends. I've attended their weddings. Um, 
I can still call them today. They still call me today. Um, and it's just like enhanced my confidence to who I am today. And I'm not afraid even holding like my partner's hand in public, regardless of who's around or what scenario it is or what community I'm around, you know, if it's at the mall or if it is an IW event or. That's a question I had. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what if, oops, what if you had to go back to Brownwood or San Angelo or somewhere smaller and you guys were married, but you had to go out there for a, a job, whatever, maybe. How do you think you would deal with that scenario now? In a negative or positive aspect? The, what you, most realistically, what you think would happen knowing yourself? Um, Well, thankfully, when I did come out, I came out again to everybody. And I've taken my boyfriend's previous to Bryce, like, home, and I've walked around with them. I've introduced them. I've taken them to the local bar there in Brownwood. Uh, we've gone to weddings in San Angelo. And what if you had to go to a smaller town? Let's say small. one that's, like, 1,000 people. Real small. I think it would be very situational. I think I would read the room, which I always try to do anyways, um, and assess from there. I don't, I obviously don't have a pride flag like hanging here. Not that I'm ashamed of it, but that's just something that I don't tie my name to. Um, but if my partner wanted to hold my hand, I wouldn't say no. I mean, if people were going to say something or do something that's on them and it speaks higher of their character versus mine, I'm not going to go back to hiding in a closet that I already had. You know, I'm not going to take two steps back when I've taken four forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a leadership shit. I like to fucking hear, man. Like I said, man, you know, these are... So I think, like, the media and Hollywood, maybe this is where I was trying to go with it. I'm not really sure, because I kind of forgot what I was even talking about earlier. But for the ones who who aren't, like, who fit the stereotype, for the ones who aren't into that category, you know, there's so many that are in the, like the smaller towns are, you know, they're doing something that there's not a huge uh, presence of the same type of people they are. So whenever they go out and they actually have to do something else or like they have to go, I don't, I don't, I don't know what a good example would be. You know, I get, I get, I'm thinking more just like small town. But because I don't think a lot of I don't think a lot of gay people are going to stay into a small community because there's not as many gay people in those smaller communities. They're usually in the more populated like metropolitan areas. But there are some that like I know a couple of friends that um, they still live back in my hometown and they're I mean they just stay there. But like for the ones who are younger and aren't okay with their sexuality yet. Like that's like what you said, what, you know, still being 
I think what I like about you is that you're not like in your face and like trying to be degrading about anything. You're like, you're genuine. And that's like, that's what I like. That's what I like about you. Like you're, you're, you're genuine to who you are and you don't give a fuck what anybody else says. So if you, and like, but by whenever you said that you were, if you had to go back to a smaller town, like what you, that answer that you gave me, like, I believe that. Like, you're not going to hide who you are, but you're also not going to run away. I mean, you, if somebody asks, you're not going to run away from it. You're going to be who you are. You're just not, like, bombastic about it almost, you know? So, like, for the one, and I think, like, that's how a lot of, like, really small town people more or less are. So, like, they get to see that from you. Like, and I think that if they were to go do that, if they were trying to still continue to live, like, let's say they don't want to go to a big town, but also, like, they feel alone, like, you're leading by example. You, if you had to go do that, you would lead by example. But your answer, like, I think it's pretty spot on. Like, that's kind of, like, the way you have to live. But it's such a complicated, it's very complicated. I man, it's much more complicated than I I originally thought. And I thought I'd put a lot of thought into this too, man. I'd been thinking about this for I don't know, since April? Not since a Waco hike. Whenever the Oh yeah, yeah, April. yeah, yeah. April third. Maybe even before that. I thought I would, you know, I guess just goes to show you that you don't know everything, but I really thought I put a lot of thought into this and now like listening to you and thinking about like all of my friends who have come out and man, like I just want to go find them and give them a hug now just cause I fucking, I feel like I didn't do enough to, to be welcoming for them to know kind of sucks, but yeah. I mean, I hopefully, I think they still know that I love them. Cause I don't think, like I said, I don't, I don't think I was ever malicious to him or anything. I don't, I never would be cause I'm just not that kind of guy, but it's just, that has to be, man, I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but really it just, it, it, it's, it, it's taken a minute for me to really wrap my head around the whole thing. And now you should be, you should be extremely proud of yourself, man. I'm really bad at like accepting like the spotlight of things. I don't, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need that little pat on my back to say like, Oh, you've done well. And I don't wear that hat. Well, um, will I jump through hoops to make stuff happen? Absolutely. Um, well, I'm telling you you did well, whether you want to hear it or not. Yeah. I mean, it's out there in the universe now, man. Yeah, I'm just really bad at accepting it. Yeah. So, um, I'm the same way, though. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I mean, that's ultimately like why I volunteer, why I give back, because I don't know who on the other side of the fence needs me yeah. or the situation more so than like I did, you know, or do. You know, I'm just grateful to be in such a good place, like mentally and physically and emotionally that I am able to do and give, do and give, do and give. Um, just because I didn't always have somebody in my corner throughout any of those like 
milestones and stepping stones and everything else in between. And moving forward, if I can be that one person in the corner for anybody, they have that one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all it takes is one person. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> perfectly said. Uh, sometimes it just takes that one person to kind of guide you in life and direct you. And I think, like, this is where, like, the younger generation, they don't realize this yet, but sometimes those people that they latch on to because maybe they're missing some kind of parental figure in their life, they latch on to the wrong people. But, I mean, I feel like they latched on you, man. They'd be good to go. I do have a question, though. Uh, so you said you're – wait, I don't think you said this or not, but uh, are you Mexican, <laughs> Latino? Yes, half Hispanic, half Puerto Rican. Okay. Well, that's a hell of a combination. So um, is your mom Mexican? Mm-hmm. So I, I know in that culture, like, it's it, – is she, like, what – how, how f- so uh, let me just break that down even more. My yeah. mom is 50, 49, 59, something like that. I don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> middle-aged Hispanic Catholic in Ooh. West Texas. Yeah. So, and she actually was the... I think you see where I was going with this. Yeah, she was actually the Catholic coordinator for the biggest Catholic church there in Brownwood, Texas at the time that I had chose to come out. Yeah. Um, And I remember vaguely like telling her, like, again, you don't have to announce it to the world. This is who I am. And this was what still 2011, 2012. So it's not like I had fully announced it to everybody just yet. I could see where the hesitation would come in to open it up to her. And obviously like, my grandma and my uncles that were still there in West Texas. I was like, it's ultimately your choice if you want to tell them. Again, I'm not ready to announce it to the world. Um, But I don't even know the weight that my mom would have carried at that time or how she dealt with it. Again, she didn't really talk about it. It wasn't ever brought up. Um, And then, yeah, when I've decided to bring my first boyfriend home and introduce him to my family. I did have some uncles that didn't talk to me for a while um, and would say things behind their back or behind my back or whatever have you. But even then, I I remember one Thanksgiving, even after they had done that, I still, I would always somehow ended up being like the person that had to pray for everything. It's my grandma's thing. And so I, I still prayed for them. Like, no, it, it wasn't, Again, it shows their character and where they were at, not necessarily like myself, you know. Um, And I mean, now we're all fine. Like, we can shoot the shit. Uh, I've brought Bryce around one of them and stuff like that. So it's not really a thing anymore. But I don't really know how it looked like on their spectrum or their side of the fence throughout the process or how they accepted it. I think... Like my aunt would tell you, Matthew, you're Matthew. You've always been Matthew. Um, and hmm. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, I still have a family member. My, I'm pretty sure my mom right now is talking shit about me behind my back. So uh, it doesn't really matter if you're gay or straight. Uh, parents or family members, I guess in general, they're just going to fucking talk shit about you depending on their character. But... 
Oh, man, you seem like a pretty good guy to me. I don't really, I don't know. I feel like I got a pretty good read on some people, and I feel like I got a pretty good read on you. I don't know. I just don't. You feel like, I feel like you're a very good leader. Like, I just, I don't know. You have that confidence and that, um, and just the way you carry yourself, I guess. Um, you were saying earlier that you, um, you graduated with your, um, your bachelor's degree in operations management. Where'd you uh, go to school at? Uh, UTA, the University of Texas in Arlington. Is that up here in Fort Worth mm, or Dallas? That, that's not too far. Yeah. Um, finished that in 2018. Uh, immediately after that, I started pursuing my master's in healthcare admin. Uh, still working on that slowly but surely. Um, COVID has made it extremely hard. I can't teach myself at all. Um, and having to teach myself stuff that I'm obviously not knowledgeable in is extremely difficult. Um, so I'm taking it class by class, day by day, um, slowly but surely. So it may take me another two years to finish my last four classes, um, but I'm not in a rush. So. Yeah, I like your whole perspective on life, man. It's kind of going with the flow. I envy you. <laughs> if I if I only had that, if I only had that. Um, I don't. I'm, I get so impatient, man. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm just, especially when I drive. Like I really notice it when I drive. Like I'll, I will haul ass to wherever I have to go. Even if I'm there an hour early, but I have to beat everybody here. You know, I hate when I'm late. Like, when I showed up today, man, I was so fucking mad. I was so mad at the traffic. I, at one point, I was just screaming every obscenity I could think of. I'm just like, fuck you, you know. Get the fuck out of the way. But Well, I mean, I, I had a place to go today, but, like, if I'm just going to the store, you know, somebody... It's going like two miles under the speed limit. Fucking move, you know. I feel that. I feel yeah. that spiritually. I can't. I just can't. Just even when I was in college, I couldn't. Man, I had to take as many classes as possible. I had to. I had to do it all. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't always have that viewpoint. I don't. I want to say like after my grandma died, and I was dealing with depression, and I was dealing with losing the Marine Corps. Um, and all of that at that time, I think like overcoming that direction, like overcoming depression and finding new direction and who I was going to be and who I didn't really want to be, um, in that transition period of like 2018, I feel like was the pivotal year that has made me, me. How do you, how do you deal with like, um, your, any depression or anxiety or how do you deal with any of that now? Uh, depression, I don't really have anymore. Do I have moments of weakness or doubts? Absolutely, but who doesn't? We're all human. Yeah. Um, anxiety, fitness. Fitness saved my life. If I hadn't have got involved in fitness, I probably wouldn't be here today. Um, and, yeah, I... I Thankfully, get to give fitness back to people now. I get to teach classes a couple days a week, um, ranging from running to boxing and stuff like that. And running, gross. Yeah. Um, 
but I'll lift weights. Man. Yeah. I mean, I used to do that too. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't really, I think my anxiety now, yeah, it's very settled with thinking, pausing, realizing that where I may be here isn't my reality. So. Yeah, I like that, man, because I was, um, I really, I guess it just hit, I, I was thinking about this on the way up here as well, so. I was thinking, you know, sometimes when I go do these interviews, like I want to back out the last second or um, whenever I go for a job interview or if I'm, you know, some of the hikes, even even though I've went to, I don't know, like 12 of them, on the way there, thinking about them, you know, getting up to that point it's so hard not to just back out because it feels more comfortable, but that's like, that's not the reality the reality is that it's going to end up being okay. I think we just build it up so much in our heads that we're just like, you know, we, I, I think it's a, a tool for us to use um, probably something from stems from evolution, but I'm sure it came from something like that to where we, we had like, we had to hype these things up in our heads so much to where we went in with like the utmost caution. And, uh, it's, it's kind of frustrating because I've backed out on a lot of stuff just because of that, just because like, I've, it, it's got too hyped up in my head that I was like, I can't, can't do this, but that's a good way to look at it, man. The like, glass is always half full. Yeah. We're half empty. See ya. The true answer to that is it, it's it's all contextual. Yeah. Did you empty the? Were you emptying the glass? Because then it would be half empty. If you were filling the glass, it would be half full. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's the smart ass comment. And these little quads that you guys have out here, yeah, they'd be they're just so peaceful. I don't know what it like the stuff we have back in Waco, man. They don't really. <coughs> they have like one little community area. That's where all the dog shit. <laughs> So there's no place that you can just go like sit and meditate. But well, in Texas, I don't really think you would want to do that unless it's like four o'clock in the morning and the sun's coming up. Because oh, it gets hot here so quick, man. I just fixed the AC in my truck. Nice. You work on your own stuff now? No. No? Fun fact. Yeah, even, nope, nope. All the knowledge that the government paid for, nope, I do not apply it to the real world. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think mechanics do a great job, and I applaud them because it's not something that I, I just want to, I mean, I can do, like, a lot of the basic stuff, but it's not it's something that I just want to constantly do. Especially, most of the time, I mean, you're only paying, most of the time you're paying for the labor, but. It's like, you know, ten dollars more, and you go get your oil change, so and you don't have to get underneath the car and put it up on jacks and find a way to dispose of your oil and just take it down the road and boom, they do everything. Costs you ten dollars more than what it would have cost to uh, to buy the five quarts of oil you needed yourself. So, yeah, 
Oh, man. Outer T. Yeah. Dude, when I first met you, I swear to God, I thought you were a DI. Everybody, everybody, says, everybody, okay. everybody. In my defense, though, you had a yellow uh, sweater, yellow marine sweater, and you had your green silkies on, and that's what I saw all the time in boot camp. So when I first saw you running up, I don't know why you were running up there. I think it was um, it was a pre-hike party after we got out of the basement. Oh, yeah, in the stockyards. Yeah. So I saw you running up, and I was like, man, this motherfucker. This motherfucker's running like a DI. Like, well, this is gonna be a fun story. Yeah, and I get that. I get that a lot. A lot of people are like, "Wait, are you?" And I'm like, "No, I'm just a reservist." Yeah. Nothing wrong with being a reservist, though. I mean, you guys have your good moments, bad moments. Way louder than I thought it was. I try to keep it on the hush. Man, yeah, this has been really fun, dude. Um, you have a very, very interesting story, I think. Um, and even if some people don't think it's interesting, just the fact that you're willing to talk about it and you know be this open—that's uh, there's a lot of people that won't come on this podcast just because they don't want it to be out there. So, you know, fuck them. Yeah, that's what I think about it. I got nothing to hide. I am who I am. <coughs> I live life. I embrace every day as it comes. So, as you should. Life's just going to keep coming at you. It never stops. Can't take a break from it. I like your, um, the endurance you have, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, like um, just don't give up perseverance yeah it was on the tip of my tongue man but yeah the perseverance you have just uh like i said man it's uh, i i think this is probably going to be something i think about all night tonight is just like being in your shoes just how that experience had to be like how emotional it had to be because I've come out of, man, I come from a pretty shitty family. Like my family, I have all kinds of, all kinds of abuse that uh, I grew up with, all kinds of struggles, which I think a lot of people in the military probably did. But um, speaking enough for myself, all kinds of shit happened. And, like, I look back at how I got to where I am now, and for the longest time, I wasn't appreciative of it because I didn't think I did too much. But after I've heard, like, a lot of other people's stories, like, uh, the perseverance side of it, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. But just how emotional I've got at, at a lot of things in life, you know. Um, after I tried killing myself, I cried for, like, 60 days straight, like every day, never stopped. I couldn't help it. Just like fucking 10 years of, or plus of emotions just came streaming out of my fucking face. And I was just like, man, this fucking sucks. And I thought that people would think less of me for that. And now <laughs> hearing the shit that, that you just told me, it, it's, and I, 
like I said, to me, it was something that was really powerful to me. But I, now, like, hearing what, what you just said, like, it's like, fuck, man. That's... I feel like I would have been much more emotional trying to go through the shit that you went through. But, I mean, that's also the same thing with, like, the whole PTSD argument. That's I'm, I'm not trying to take away from anything. But in my perspective, what you told me, I don't know, I don't know man. I don't know how the fuck I would have handled that. And I don't think that you realize how big it was because you were just living your life. But I feel like somebody's going to come up to you one day and they're going to say, you know, hey, Matthew, Mateo, bro, dude, look, heard your fucking story, man. Fucking changed everything. I don't know who that person will be, but... Maybe it's somebody you fucking know. Maybe it's not. But, I mean, wouldn't that be something? You were just here living your life. Just fucking first person in your unit to come out. You know, you probably, you might have changed that guy's life. You have no fucking idea because, you don't. you know, not everybody's going to tell you right away. But that's fucking huge, man. One of these days, somebody's going to come out and tell you that. They're going to be like, hey, dude, you fucking, let me tell you how much I appreciate all the shit you've done. That's fucking, that's good shit, man. That makes me happy, dude. Makes me happy knowing that, you know, uh, I get to be a part of this. As, as, you know, I'm not in your life constantly. Of course, we'll see each other from time to time, but, you know, it's not like, we're going to be in each other's life every single day. But to know that I was able to be a part of this, to come in and um, be a temporary blip on, on your radar. Um, I think, it, you know, like these, these conversations I have with people, these interviews, like that makes me happy because I get to be a part of like their life at some point and whether or not, somebody hears their story or not, like I get to be a part of their life at at some point. Maybe, you know, we get to guide them into and to the points where they, they need to go or guide other people and, you know, into doing some of these things with you guys. Um now I wanted you to I'm gonna stop rambling because my mind's all fucked up just cause I can't wrap my head around uh, as much shit as I wanted to. Uh, I just, I can't stop, like, replaying it. So it, it's going to be one of those things I probably think about for the rest of the week, to be honest with you. Uh, definitely gives me another perspective. Um, well, like I said, I really don't think that I ever, I hope that I never gave any kind of, like, malicious intent to anybody where they didn't feel comfortable. But I think most of it was just honestly because they, they didn't want anybody to know, and it was it's their secret too. It's it's their life. I'm not gonna ask them to do it, but I hope that this reaches enough people to to find somebody that can benefit off of it. And I think there's more than enough people to to benefit off of it. And I hope you're cool. Like was I'm I'm sure. There's going to be somebody to say some kind of fucking bullshit. And I think you got the fucking scam for it. But 
Like, if I could find them in person, man, I'd be more than happy to beat their ass for you. I got your back, bro. Their we, opinion. Hey, we could beat their ass together. I'm still going to keep living my life. That doesn't change anything. But for the ones who actually care, then, you know, they actually they can guide this video to somebody that could use it, somebody that could really benefit off of this. Maybe they need to hear other words from somebody that's like-minded. And before you even, before you get it in your head that, you know, you, you can't picture being like-minded like that. Well, at some point in time, somebody else was like-minded to where they got you to join whatever group or organization you're a part of. So just keep that in mind before you don't send this thing <coughs> off or you want to question what we're doing here. Um, now I kind of want to talk more about um, this organization here with this black tie. So you want to speak on that a little? Um, so black tie dinner is again, one of the largest LGBTQ plus fundraisers in the nation. Um, they give back locally here in Texas, North Texas to 16 beneficiaries and one national, which would include the human rights campaign. Um, and we turned 40 this year. It is an organization that I've been volunteering with for the last four years. Um, and I was privileged enough to be nominated and accepted onto the board. And I'm getting to leave my little sliver of impact and improvement and everything else in between. I'm the first person that has served in the military that has been on this board. Um, I'm the first person of color in the military, too. Like, there's these huge things. We have the first person of color to be a co-chair this year. So there's a lot of monumental moving pieces to this organization. Look at you, look at you boy. Yeah, so I'm a, little, it out there. a little sliver of history. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the future holds for me within this organization. Again, I'm just privileged to be a part of it. and. Um, I never saw myself honestly becoming a board member. Um, I feel like I'm too young, um, or whatever, yeah, man, you know, if you're a leader, if you, if you know what you're, you know what you're doing, the purpose for it, man, that the, the shit doesn't matter. Uh, a lot of people, I, I think a lot of people get that shit confused, man, but if you're mature enough to handle it, fucking go for it. But, um, you want to talk about a little more about what black tie dinner does? Um, so we host a dinner slash gala every November. Um, and it's just to raise money and give back to people that need it. So we give back to the resource center, legacy counseling was help with, they help people with HIV and AIDS, specifically women. Um, we have AIDS services of Dallas, equality of Texas that fights for, rights within the state of Texas alone. Um, and yeah, I, I never saw myself being as big of an activist as I am, but Hey, here we are. And yeah. So. Where are you guys located out of? So we're located here in Dallas. We don't have kind of like a headquarters base. It's a volunteer organization. So it's a volunteer board. 
Um, there is 27 current active board members. We all have our different committees. Um, we have a couple advisory board members, so people that have been on the board that are currently just there to give us advice and give us counsel on the direction of staying on brand for the organization. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the future holds for it, so I'm excited. I'm nervous. It's obviously, it's my first. It's my rookie year. Yeah. Um, so going on a few months now, and I raised a couple hundred dollars. And I was looking at the website that uh, you were telling me about, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, I guess. And uh, it looks really interesting. Very well put together. Um, yeah, I just grew up. Like going with this, uh, put together. Um. So do you? So are the charities and everything that you're putting together for the events that you're trying to fundraise for? Uh, do they only go to the areas uh, in the DFW area? Yes. Okay. And it's only for the laws and whatever stuff that everyone's implemented in the past. Yeah. Um, Equality of Texas is kind of the bigger one. And then you go to the human rights campaign, which is national. Yeah. Um, And it's really to just help keep raising money so people can still keep doing what they're doing and fighting for what they're fighting for. Not that we should be fighting for anything. We should be all looked at as equal. Um, but that fight is still real. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's an evil that <clears throat> does have to be faced. But, um, but we um, all bleed red. We all go to sleep. We all wake up. We all love. We all embrace life. Um, so. So, um, I mean, you want to give any more information on Black Tie Dinner? Or? Uh, if you'd like to donate, let me know. Um, yeah, we're going to um, we're going to put the links and everything in the uh, description. Um, we'll also put the website. Um, do you have a personal link? I do have an ambassador page. So, so. we'll. We'll put the ambassador link as well. Uh, if you want to get any kind of any new information or uh, if you just want to support or help, you know, go out there and give some money. Uh, it's going for a good cause. Um, oh, so I was thinking earlier, I do have another question. And <clears throat> I wish I would have thought about it sooner, but because um, I, I don't want to take away from the black tie dinner. So I don't, and I don't think there's a way I can work around it, but I mean, not, uh, I was thinking of putting it back in like in post, I was going to fucking move it, but I'm sorry, my head's everywhere. So you're fine. Um, so for like the younger generation who, who are like just now experimenting and the ones who are like, you know, starting to get more sexual. Uh, what advice do you have for them? Just to be safe and understand what you're getting into. Um, and that goes for any communities. Sex is scary. Um, I mean, obviously it's pleasurable. Yeah. But 
there's things out there, STDs, STIs, um, HIV is real. Um, Are there ways to monitor and prevent it? Absolutely. So just get educated. I mean, you can get HIV even through heterosexual sex. So it's not something that I think that people who are gay should only worry about. Like, everybody Mm -hmm. should be fucking looking out for this Absolutely, absolutely. But Um, I know it is more of a concern in the the gay community, um, which I never understood why. But I think it's just a stigma that got kind of put into perspective back in the 80s when HIV and AIDS first came around. Um, yeah, but was, see, I think a lot of that was because of the dope usage. Yeah. Everyone was sharing needles. I mean, Matthew McConaughey had a, a great movie about it. But I think everyone just assumes that everybody has that. It's like, oh, I don't think it's like that. Like I, like I was saying, man, earlier, I, I really think Hollywood's put a fucking bad perspective out there. Like, I don't, you, I don't know, you have eccentric people on both sides. Uh, and it's like they try to make that one stereotype. It's just like, I don't think, like, everybody's like that, man. Like, they make it out to, uh, what's that one movie with um, Adam Sandler and Nick Swartz and, uh I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So whenever, you know, Nick Swartz came out like that, you know, like, I feel like that's how a lot of ill-informed or ignorant people just look at it. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it like that, but that's me. So I can only try to change so many people's minds, but really it's, you know, interacting with, with the whole community and not just not putting it into what the media or Hollywood's going to say that, you know, like if, if that's the kind of person you hate, if that's the kind of person you don't like, go talk to more and find out, you know, like, just like uh, if, if I was to go back home, if they, if I met, you know, cause I know some people who are pretty racist back home and I'd say, Hey, go meet this guy or go meet this guy, or, go meet this guy. I think it's just one. If you have, a negative perception put around a certain stereotype for so long and you don't interact with that and you don't actually get to see who that human is, it forms an opinion in your head that you don't actually know. And so that's how you perceive it every single time and you don't know anything about that type of person. I know people who... I know... Man, so many different people and so many different races... And it's, it doesn't really matter how you talk. It doesn't matter how you, I, I don't want to say act. It's more of like how you carry yourself and in the sense of treating somebody with respect, I guess. And if sometimes that's all it takes, like to actually go have a conversation. Like that's what I really love about these, you know? And like, I'm so happy I met him too, man. He, he's a, he's a fucking great guy. I got to talk to Bryce a little bit more whenever we were in Fort Worth, I think. Because um, I, th- I don't think I met you in the last Fort Worth hike. Oh, Bryce wasn't in the picture just yet. No? Man, I, he looks so familiar, though. He has a great smile, though. It's very infectious. It almost makes me want to smile. I wish, I wish mine looked that good. 
But yeah, I really, I just think it always comes down to like people's perception and shit. And really, if you just start talking to other people of just carrying all these conversations, man, you know, just changes your world after a while. Like it's, I think the most, uh, well, we were talking to this, uh, this elderly black gentleman in the VA waiting on some meds the other day. And uh, he was a Vietnam era guy. And he was saying how um, I was like, man, this younger generation just doesn't respect the U.S. at all. And uh, there was this other guy, this older white guy. You know, he sounded like he was from the country. I don't, I don't really know. And he was like, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I was like, yeah, I agree with you, too. And then next thing you know, and we carried on a conversation for the, I, I think all three of us waited on our meds just because we carried on like an hour-long conversation. And it was all, you know, it's the military that brought us together. It wasn't anything else. It got political after a while, and um, they had their differences. But the greatest thing out, out of all of that was, like, they didn't fight each other. They weren't. They weren't trying to do anything stupid. They were just like, yeah, you think this way, I think this way. But at the end of the day, like, we still love this country. We, this is what we have in common. Like, it was it was kind of beautiful to see. It. You know, it was, I don't want to be cliche, but, you know, like, very poetic because of just how much fucking hate exists in this world with it. But I like seeing a show like that. And I think that's why, like, I'm really happy I got to come out here and, and have this conversation with you. Um, and we actually got to talk about this shit. Uh, and you were able to open up a little bit. Um, and I think that this could possibly do something really good for some people. Uh, sorry, I think I'm losing my voice a little. <laughs> or I'm just not thinking about talking. But, or I'm thinking too much. Uh, I hope it does. I hope people can embrace who they are and they're happy being them and it's okay to be vulnerable in and out of uniform and yeah. I um I'm trying to think if I would have any more questions for you. You just um such hot shit that I forgot everything that I was going to say. I think you, I think you pretty much covered everything, you know, like that was one thing I did. Uh, I was like very curious of, of how your back, your background was, um, how that was dealing with uh Latina as a parental figure coming into that, which I didn't know she, she was Catholic, which I'm sure that had to make it much harder, but, and I like, I think it should be said out there that, you know, this story, this doesn't happen for everybody. Like, you can't just expect this to happen. Because um, there's no, I don't want anyone to get their hopes up, you know. But uh, it, it's a good example of what possibly could happen. And I would rather put something out there that's more uplifting than what's negative. Because there's a lot of negative shit that already exists. I don't want to put any more, I don't want to put any unnecessary negativity back into this universe because I've already put so much. There's already enough out there. Man. Like whenever I was 
<laughs> whenever I was uh, on my coke benders, man, I was, from what I've heard, I was such an asshole. And I, like, that's just not me. I don't, that's what I've heard. I don't, I don't feel like I was, but everyone, I've had a few people say I was a dick. So I got to make up for that shit somehow. I'm sorry if I, if I uh, offended anybody on my coke benders. So, you know. I said it. It's out in the universe now. Um, yeah, so I think this is going to be... We're going to wrap this thing up, man. I think um, just to kind of recap you, when we were talking about your, your childhood and, you know, going into the, into the Marine Corps and how that was, um, you know, the, the challenges and the and the difficulties, um, I still, like, like I said, man, I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of my, uh, for at least the rest of the weekend. Cause I couldn't imagine, you know, trying to tell one of my closest and best friends and not knowing if I was going to lose that person, how emotional that would make me. Cause I've cried over fucking all kinds of girls before. So I can't imagine my best friend, not one, uh, you know, talk to me, especially whenever you create a bond like that, because those bonds are way different from um, what a lot of people experience out in the civilian world. So that definitely, that's going to stick with me for a while. I might use this, uh, you know, if I'm ever talking to somebody, um, trying to, you know, give them examples of like, like good shit in the world. Like I might, I might use this example because I think it's a really good one, man. I think what you've done is phenomenal. You haven't let, let, let life beat you down. The perseverance is uh, phenomenal through the roof. I mean, if I could give you a gold star, I'd give you a gold star. But um, I'm very proud of you. Uh, and I don't know how many times you'll ever hear that in your life or if how many times you have heard it, but just just know that you should be very proud of what you've done. I think you're doing some really good shit, and I hope that this reaches somebody. And, um, yeah, I guess we're going to end this thing. So that's going to conclude another episode of The Vet Struggle. Um, before we go, just know we're not sponsored by anybody yet, but if you guys want to sponsor us, you can reach out to us at veteransembracingthestruggle.com. I mean, at gmail.com veterans embracing the struggle at gmail.com or um, you can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. That would be great. Really would help pay for some of these trips, but you know, until then we're going to keep doing what we do. Um, if you could like comment and share, you know, it's the same old story, but really helps get this word out more and more. Uh, even if you're going to comment something shitty, you know, I can go for it. I'm used to it. Um, and if uh, you get a chance, I'm going to link the, um, in the description somewhere um, a black tie dinner and uh, Mateo's or Matthew's uh, ambassador page. So if you guys get a chance, you know, go donate if you can. If you can afford it. If you want to support a good cause, if you want to do any of that good shit, man, um, I really suggest go reading what they're about and what they do for phenomenal cause um yeah i think that's gonna be it you have anything else to 
you want to throw out there? Uh, thank you for having me. Um, but yeah, that's going to end it, man. Thank you so much for coming out. Beautiful. beautiful. I appreciate it.